1: Welcome back to the Third Man Podcast. This is the Jack White and Third Man Records History Program, and I am your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. I'm your other co-host, James Kaminsky. Yeah, this is a show we do. Yeah. We've been, we've been at it for a minute. um, <laughs> But that does not deter our enthusiasm mm-hmm. for the very special guests that we're going to be uh, talking with today. Returning guest, Warstick founder and co owner, Mr. Ben Jenkins, is back on the show. And we're also bringing on Warstick president, Christine Weber Edgington. And Christine and Ben are going to walk us through yet another big opening in the Jack White world in the last couple months here the Warstick HQ. Yep.
2: Yeah. They were so kind to come on and and discuss this with us and answered a lot of questions we had about this, and I I think we brought it up in the previous episode, but here's another case of a building that that Jack White bought, and we get to see how he transformed it and how Ben and Christine and, and the whole Warstick group transformed it into another really interesting location for fans to visit and for baseball enthusiasts to visit and music enthusiasts, and it's just a, it's a wild, it's cool, very enthusiastic. It's a very enthusiastic place. Uh, and yeah. I'm enthusiastic I'm
1: enthusiastic,
2: enthusiastic about it as well. I, I really, I really do want to go and see this. I really considered getting a ticket to Dallas, like a plane ticket to Dallas to go, to go see the opening of this. And, yeah. um, uh, but it was, was not in the cards for a number of reasons, but that's okay because we got to see and talk to Ben and Christine all about this.
1: Yeah, well James kept going on the ticket purchase website and then kept second guessing himself and going mm-hmm. back and then to the left, back and to the left, back and to the left.
2: <sighs> That's a Dallas joke, it's, yeah. It's
1: because uh, it's a Dallas. It's joke. Uh, so murder. we're going to kick <laughs> this it's a, it's in poor taste. We're going to kick this to Ben and Christine here in, in just a moment. But I did want to talk, because I don't think we talked about it in the interview itself. But Jack White did play a full set at the opening to this wonderful HQ. And I was going to run down the set here just to kind of look at the different similarities from the last time we talked about an opening, which is the Third Man Records London location. So we have Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground to open, 16 mm-hmm. Saltines. I Think mm-hmm. I Smell a Rat, which is awesome. Love Interruption, We're Gonna Be Friends, Lazaretto. All of those were played at the um, the aforementioned Third Man London opening. Hardest Button to Button, which is cool. I like to see that one come out, as well as Blue Orchid. Cut Like a Buffalo, I Dare Jack Not to Play This at a Show. (laughs) Well, it's... I dare you. It's his signature Dead Weather song, so if he
2: wants a good grouping... I know.
1: (laughs) It's a good one. No, it's good. I love it. I love it. Here's the great one, though, for Mm -hmm. this. Battle Cry which we don't hear terribly often, but of course makes sense for this because Battle Cry was made in conjunction with, with Warstick. And I think uh, Ben Jenkins, I think, directed that video, or he was heavily involved in the direction yes. of that video for Battle Cry, which we talked about him with on a prior show.
2: Now, do you think he's, he played, I think, a smell of rat because of the line walking down a street carrying a baseball bat? Do you think, do you think that's the reason? oh fun all these kids seem to think they know just where it's at they're in dallas yeah that's well, where that's they think th- they're at
1: there's a song on the white blood cells um double Box that's called that's where it's at and he has the baseball bat line in there and i think that's something he was kicking around for a little bit because he also has i think i smell rat in there so either that's where it's at is a primordial version of i think i smell a rat or he was gonna do the walking down the street with the baseball bat thing twice either way i'm here for it
2: yeah it's a good line because kids do walk down streets with baseball bats looking like they're gonna
3: attack you
0: (laughs) yeah well everybody knows just where it's at now
4: walking down the street
1: Yeah, then they crack Ben and Benson in the face with one while he's pumping his gasoline. (laughs) Um, No, we love him. Uh, The the next track here, What's Done is Done Again, which is cool. Ball and Biscuit, and then a Tampa Red cover. You can't get that stuff no more. Nice. Fascinating. I guess he hasn't played that since 2014.
2: Uh, Always cool to see covers. I'm here for it, too. I'm here for that. I'm enthusiastic
1: for that. Ending. With Seven Nation Army, and James, I think uh, that's going to lead us to our interview here. What do you say we kick it yeah, over? let's. Huh?
2: Well, Paul, let's say we hit one out of the park, right over into right. Let's hit one into the inner. Let's batter up.
1: We'd like to welcome to the Third Men podcast returning guest, Mr. Ben Jenkins, the founder. CEO, design director, War Stick, and Ben, you've you've been on the show a couple times. It's been a long, t- it's been a little while since we talked to you. Hello, how are you?
3: I'm great, man. I'm 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 in. A, I feel like it's a whole new world um, <laughs> from when we last talked, which I don't know, maybe it was a year ago. So, I'll yeah, like it's that, been yeah. busy. It's been busy, and um, you know, coming out of COVID and all kinds of stuff. But it just feels like a whole new world over here. So, I'm glad to catch up. It's a great time to catch up.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, welcome back. And we'd also like to welcome someone who's new to the show, we've never talked to before, except about the Tasmanian Devil's Coke habit before the call here. (laughs) Ms. Christine Edgington, president of Warstick.
5: Christine, welcome. Oh, thanks. I hope I can live up to that intro.
1: (laughs) <laughs> so we're talking here this morning to uh, to chat a little bit about some exciting news in the Warstick family. Within the Warstick family, now this has been something in the works for a long time now. In fact, I think we even talked about this, Ben, when you were first on, which is going back three, <laughs> three years. years or so, yeah. four, three or four years. So why don't you uh, can can you both give us a bit of background on the opening of Warstick? headquarters this is fantastic
3: yeah I mean I'm I agree with you that it, it, it was a long time ago and <laughs> kind of <laughs> kind of an embarrassing least to be honest with you um and but I think looking back it's like you know our personalities and especially Jack's personality who drove this whole project I mean there's no hundred percent that this project would not exist without Jack so I was maybe 2017 embarrassingly found this building it's a neighborhood that I've known all my life and even uh, lived and worked there and very creative neighborhood. And, um, you know, as things go with Jack, I'm like, Hey, uh, man, I found this building today. I thought it was super cool. It was kind of like someday, man, it would be really cool to do X, Y, Z. Right. Right. You know how Jack is, he sees it. He's like, that's perfect. Let's buy it. (laughs) 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 Now now you're talking about
1: 2900 main street. Yeah. 2900
3: main street. So it's like a 1941 building. And,
1: it's a gorgeous building too. Just yeah. on the street, it looks very Americana, very you know, sort of.
3: And, and and at the time, I thought, oh no, this is too expensive. This is too soon for the business, which is absolutely true. <laughs> and Jack just has that vision. When he knows it's right, he knows it's right. And I agreed with him. I was just like, are you sure you want to do this? This would really put this would be sticking our necks out really big. But it's that kind of like, well, this is what we believe in, and we're going to do. And then Christine is kind of all the, always the voice that's like, let me think about these numbers here and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And she's like, look, yeah, it could kill you in the end, but if it works, it'll be amazing. And so, you know, what happened from there was just, we we got the building wrapped up pretty fast, but, you know, we really, Christine and I and, and our staff, we had to focus on growing the business. We were still very much getting going, and it was just like this fun toy over here was as cool as it is, it wasn't going to just grow the business for us. It it, is something. So it, it was almost like this motivation now to go really do the hard work of growing the business and becoming like a mainstream brand in baseball. And it was like, let's earn getting to be able to afford finishing out this building. And I think that's what we did. And then we really got started 2000, late 18, 19, we actually started going, but we, we we had to put this building down, you know, back to the studs. I mean, it's a 1941 building, and as we got that going, of course, then COVID hit. Just like everybody else, we had to kind of reshift our focus away from the building, and you know that extended even further. So, I don't know, seven eight months ago, it was just kind of like let the bu- the business had blown up. It was mainstream. It was like let's go. And then you know, um, you know, Christine especially you know, we didn't have a GC. It's kind of like we have this stupid thing like Jack does where we just like the most painful approach possible. So <laughs> it was like Christine, you know, Christine and I were the GCs and Christine, we have two different sides of the brain. And it was just kind of like, let's go. And it was the hardest thing that we have ever done and will ever do for sure. Or I hope it will be, um, and it all, all completely self-inflicted, let's hope. all completely self-inflicted, but like Yeah. I mean, it was just always this dream of Jack from the first day I met him in the first meeting was real simple was like, you know, he, he knew right away when we met that he sees this business and what it's all about, but he wanted to bring that immersive experience to it. Like he had done with third man records in Nashville and then Detroit and now London. And I love that idea, even though I'm like Mr. Virtual, like I'm so digital, Mr. Virtual, I don't want a physical space. So it was like, Third Man really inspired the whole thing, but the whole challenge was like, how does WarStick's version of that look like? Because it's not Third Man. They're two completely different brands. Right. Well, that... Was challenging.
2: That is quite the undertaking, too, because you not only set up a store for the brand and the product, you set up a place to actually test out the equipment. You set up a place for music to be played. You set up... (laughs) It became... So many different things. So not only were you, you know, working on something that is difficult to do, you were kind of working on five different projects uh, to to fit into this location, and a location that that honestly looks incredible. I'm so excited to go visit there, and the pictures look amazing. And yeah, you did buy that at the right time, though. Uh, You may have (laughs) said you you bought it early, but but oh boy, (laughs) real estate prices really jumped. So you bought it at the exact right time.
3: You know, I look after Jack like anybody else. And it's as a business partner, but also as a friend. And I'm like, are you, you know, obviously we, you know, he had to front the money for the building. Let's not lie. And I was like, this is really on your own personal thing. This is really risky on the business was secondary to that, but it was like, in hindsight, wow, what a great investment just timing wise. Yeah. He's okay on it. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if we, if we folded up the shop tomorrow and needed to go sell it, it would be totally fine. It would be great.
1: Yeah, so we, we want to get into the how the design came together and all that stuff. But Christine, you are new to our audience, and uh, we were curious how you got involved in Warstick and, and how you came to this sort of integral place within the company, because uh, honestly, I'm very curious. I, you know, I, we've talked to Ben a bunch, but we want to hear from you. I'm very
3: curious to hear this story as well. Well,
5: was, And
3: yeah, that she doesn't it, describe it, it, it as like it was, an evil trap of some type. <laughs> that's
5: that's exactly how I was going to describe it, um, was that it was a very clever trap laid by Ben. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, a lot of people might not know that Ben and I worked together for almost 20 years uh, on the branding side of uh, One Fast Buffalo, our company. And I know he's kind of given a preview of that on on some of the other episodes so we've always worked hand in hand and war stick started many years ago by ben and it started to gain this momentum and traction and i wasn't involved in the least and ben had kind of said well i think it would be nice because we're this is really resonating with people i think we've passed the test of, of viability i really think this could be something." Um, do you want to just take a look at it and do some consulting? And I was really blown away by the foundation of what he had created. And I think it was so interesting, not just as something beautiful to sports, but also something from a strategic standpoint, because it's my background is more the business strategy and the messaging around a brand had so much potential to really strike a chord with people and resonate with both players and parents alike. And I don't like to compliment Ben, but I was...
3: (laughs) This is amazing how how nice she's being to me. We we should do podcasts more often.
5: (laughs) Um, Right, right. And I immediately was very taken with it and, and found it to be a really interesting challenge because for, you know, 20 years we had built brands for other people and this felt like something that here's where the clever trap happens. He's like, Hey, you're going to work harder than you've ever worked in your life, but we're going to build this thing for us. You know, we're going to build it for the team and for, for Jack and for Ian and, and all of this stuff and really to be able to take ownership of that and, be the, the in charge of our own destiny of, of where we were heading. Because I think time and time again, Ben and I got very frustrated on the client side by seeing people not go quite as far as we thought they needed to go, not push as far as we thought they needed to push with the brand and the look of things and to be able to be in control of that, Uh, was something I found just infinitely interesting. And Ben always kind of describes us as two parts of the same brain. Whether it is a blessing or a curse, the thing that he is so amazing at is he can always see where Warstick is going to be three years, five years, ten years from now. He can see it so clearly in his mind. And where I come in is getting us there, um, actually taking that vision and bringing it to fruition um, on the execution side. And I think that's why we always work really well together. And so when I got brought over, it was like, hey, let's do one day a week. Hey, let's do seven days a week, 24 hours a day. All you think about is Warstick. Um And you know I, I'm so happy to be involved and I'm so proud of what we've built and uh, the building's been a fun part of that. And yes, it, it was a lot of work, but I'm also happy that, because of Jack and because of Ben it was just uncompromisingly beautiful and tied to what Warstick is all about so every corner of that thing is thought out and if we had rushed it uh it, that wouldn't be the case so
2: yeah you've definitely um uh sorry Ben you did the work uh instead of the vision so uh, that's excellent huh? <laughs> but uh it came to fruition like like what you're saying like I me and Paul have been watching Warstick grow since talking to Ben last, and you know, following your Instagram and your social stuff, and and it really does, you know, it's it's reached this level where the content and the products you're putting out are so cool, and and it's so nice to be able to have a physical location to to kind of look at those now.
5: I I think that's the thing we're most excited about because I, I I know Ben's probably going to get into this on the why because we have for the entirety of Warstick and all of our growth been online, been a virtual business. So why did we kind of focus so much time and attention and energy on building a physical space? And because I do think that the brand and the messaging and what we're really trying to do to connect with our customer base, there's only so much we can do in a virtual environment. And having a home base where we can create that content and have parents and players come and learn, uh, on all sorts of different subjects within our messaging and culture that we're trying to communicate into the world is so much more, I think, compelling when we have a physical space that we can be creating those experiences with.
2: You guys put in the time to set a perfect table for this aspect of the business, I think, because there is so much, uh, to be able to to test and promote and and look at and excitement around the brand too so
3: i mean i think all these kind of projects like you always want them to go super fast and it's frustrating that it takes so long and it honestly felt like it would never end but you you always look back and <clears throat> and to your point it's like we wouldn't have done the things that we've done along in each aspect if we hadn't learned about ourselves and our brand and our customers along the way so it's just a necessary part of the journey of getting it done and it's like i'm glad In hindsight, I never would have done it again, but we're all glad that it took so long, that we took our time, that we, you know, collaborating with Jack when he could, you know, I mean, he was locked down in COVID like everybody else. And so the collaboration aspect of going back and forth was challenging. A lot of Zoom calls, a lot of, you know, I mean, just a lot of back and forth. And he couldn't be in Dallas all the time. There was key moments when we brought him in, but it was just challenging, you know, but no regrets, what is, man. What is, uh, Thank God what is, we like it in the end.
1: So. <laughs> what, what's, what's Jack
3: White on a Zoom call like? Uh, what, what? I, I was wondering the
2: same exact question. Yeah. Like, is he is he also fumbling for the the end call button and hitting it, and <laughs> smiling the whole time?
3: <laughs> no, I mean honestly, the opposite. On that laptop, which we call his phone. <laughs> He's as technologically advanced as anyone. I mean, he's that thing is connected to him just like the rest of us, man. And he's so he's fun. I mean he he's he runs his own businesses. He's he's doing Zoom calls like the rest of us. And I would say the thing that's different is there's always a five minute intro of comedy before the meeting starts. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> See, that's what I was looking for. I, the implication. Christine's the implication. in one of the
3: left hand corner screens going, "Wrap it up." <laughs> and you know, that's just Jack. Is I mean, he's always bringing. I mean, he's always in a great mood and just wants to have fun with people first and foremost, and you know, get get a good get the meeting off to a good tone, and then and then we always have to go, okay, guys, and then we all fall for it. We do the same thing, but it's you know, but then he gets you know, he has that switch, just like we all like a lot of us creative people do. Like when it's time to go, it's like boom. Then the then the and at, and come, what, Jekyll and jide comes out. Heckle and Hyde come. Who's that?
5: Jekyll and Hyde. Jekyll and Hyde. You know,
3: when he gets serious about design, like. It just gets serious i mean it's it, jack's got the two personalities i mean it's, it's, he's incredibly sweet yeah. amazingly funny genuine person and then the artist in him is super serious and super intense and all this kind of stuff <laughs> and that's where he and i share that like we have to be careful when we're you know working around people that we're not so in our own zone that we don't you know we're We're hearing other people, to be honest with you, but that's that laser-focused kind of craziness that if we didn't have, on the other hand, you know, none of this stuff would get created. Christine's one of the only humans that, and she's downplaying herself. She's over the last 20 years become, you know, very creative in terms of I bounce every idea off her and all that kind of stuff, but she's somehow always nice to people and, and, and very pleasant um, me and Jack, like, we're always like, man, she's just so nice all the time. How do we do that? So,
5: <laughs> all of the contractors that work on the building might not agree with that thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I, I think that's really one of the things that w- when we went and we toured Third Man, the, we just get so incredibly blown away by the level of detail, and it was so inspiring. For us to t- kind of create our own version of what does that mean for Warstick? But that's one of Jack's greatest gifts is I think he raises the bar and expectation of everybody and is that inspiring person for sure on the call that is really drawing the best out of everyone else that's on the call to not expect anything status quo, that it has to be elevated to an experience that's unlike anything else. That's not always easy to do, but he's, he's good <laughs> at
1: it. We've we've heard that from uh, the Copper Sound folks who who worked on the um, the triple graph pedal. We've heard that yeah, there's there's an element of comfort there, but then it's when it's down to business, it's down to business, and. Uh, j- I was asking about the Zoom call just because I was curious of what that was like. I, I did not mean to imply he was not technologically savvy because
3: like, that Luddite <laughs> yeah, thing yeah, yeah. seems to follow him around. Yeah, that <laughs>
1: wasn't a dig at all. I'm just legitimately curious. Everyone has their own Zoom etiquette. And we all learned on the fly because Zoom came out, <laughs> like, what, last year or two years ago? Or at least everybody <laughs> got, got it. it. Uh, also, um, I wanted to mention Heckle and Jide is going to be his next solo album title <laughs> right? because that's an awesome... <laughs>
3: Awesome title. Flipped the I whole flipped that. mirror world thing. I love that. That's fantastic, yeah.
1: and it works for you, Ben, because it's got the two, the two sides. Right, you're all about.
3: Yes, hmm. it's the it's the ongoing argument between me and Jack about what's what's better, two or three.
1: Uh, well, now did you convince him to do the, just the two new albums instead of adding the third, maybe?
3: Well. I don't convince anything of when it, about music when it comes to Jack. If he ask, but, but we are good enough friends that like he'll ask me opinions and I just kind of, you know, who he, he knows I have the problem of truth and I just say what I say and then he always goes with what he wants, you know, but it was like, oh, what a problem. You have so many songs that should I do one album or two and oh man, what a problem. I mean, we talked about the options, you know, just like in the business, like, well, you could go this way, you could go that way and it's just, I'm just giving him my objective opinion, but based on knowing his personality too. And he obsesses about that stuff and what's the right way. I mean, he's he's convinced in his mind there is one right way. And he's like trying to dig and find it, you know? And just like, I, just like sometimes when I'm stuck, when I talk to Christine, it's like, I need your help. I don't know, I'm, I'm in a loop. I don't know which one to go with. I like both, right?
6: And you pull all the triggers. Well, you're
5: taking me back. Yes, you're taking me back. Wing me back. When you listen to
3: mystics, as you lay at your bigness, you're taking me back. You're taking me
1: back.
3: Really not global world problems, but you know, we, well, all, we all have our people behind the scenes that we work with that, that push us one, which is the only reason that Chris, I mean, Christine, without Christine, I always do about 80 percent of my full potential, basically. Um, and then she's like, "Well, that sucks. And <laughs> you know you, and you know you can do better. and like a coach, you know, and she knows me so well and what I'm you know, whatever, what I'm probably capable of, and it's like when I lay an egg. She's like a parent. You know you can do better. You can push past that. And and then Jack is like more of like chasing a rabbit. You know, the old cartoon where the horses are chasing the rabbit. You know, I'm just trying to keep up kind of thing. And and honestly, think about the intimidation factor here. Like his design aesthetic is so strong. And really, although there's many facets of it, whether it's the, the white stripes, red and white, or the solo blue, or the... It's so strong and so him and all that, that... I have to consider that every every aspect of this we design I have to kind of like consider that because I know his I know his style very well now right well he seems he seems to know your style too now I mean that warstick couch is something else yeah no I mean no I mean I would say I kind of describe it as like I think fifty percent of our styles are very personal styles are very different but there's this fifty percent that really overlaps and like we've gotten to know what those things are so there was nothing in this building that either one of us one likes and the other doesn't. It was just, sometimes there was pushing to find the solution that was the one we both liked, because I was dead set. I'm like, I'm not having it. In the end, you will love this freaking building, every aspect of it.
2: And there's one, w- there's one ceiling tile that you, Ian Kinsler said, that's my design.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but I will too. I mean, that's in the, in the, in the, all that craziness, somehow that all worked out, which was very challenging. Cause I mean, I'm not a natural collaborator. I don't want other people's opinions. I did this business in the first place not to have that. And honestly, he's as you know, he when it comes to his art and design is very much the same way. So we both had to understand that this was a collaboration and that we're doing it. We're really building a new thing together. And and it was like, you know, that was that was challenging sometimes because because the end goal was happiness. Like, yes, something that we're happy with. To the extent that we want to share it with the world, and then it's th- and it's the right brand, you know, it's not oh, okay, this building doesn't match this brand at all or anything, you know. But you know, we'd be just but- sitting there looking at furniture online, little things. What about this bar? What about that bar? What that door? And it would be like we'll it'd be there ten things, then there'd be two or three that would like okay, we both like this, and then which one?
2: Well, that brings me to designing the the space itself. Did you both come up with with designs? Was it something that was a collaborative effort? And when those aesthetic choices came into mind i mean i i have to imagine uh, that christine you you dealt with a lot of this of you know getting the contractors to understand the design as well and and how it could
3: all go, because it is very yeah finding a contract that was willing to even try because it was like yeah. oh you can't just hire a contractor for these gradient stains on the cabinets. They were like, we, what?
2: We needed a door big enough to fit a buffalo in. Right. Let's do that.
3: There was many I mean, changing exactly sizes of doors one. on the fly to fit crazy animals into the building. <laughs> but
5: yeah. Well and I think a lot of the things that speaks to the the way that both Ben and Jack approached the design, it wasn't anything that we could say, hey, here's an example. I need you to build this. It was always here's an idea and a vision of what I have in my mind. And let's try to execute that to perfection. And it, absolutely, we were able to, to pull that off. It did involve a lot of trial and error, but, you know, I think the end result was worth it because yeah. 2900 isn't like anywhere else um, <laughs> in the world, because I think we made some of those hard calls that it was the longer road. Um, and, and certainly, a lot of communication back and forth with certain vendors, but we couldn 't just say, "Hey, make the floors look like this exact picture." Yeah. Um, it was always something about executing a vision of of what they had and what they wanted.
3: It was like making a stew that you 've never made before like it was like Jack would throw in an idea into the <laughs> pot, I would throw in an idea into the pot and Christine would throw an idea in, and then it just started kind of boiling up, you know? And then sometimes we would take some carrots out of the pot because they're like, you know what? This carrot does not taste good in the stew. And then that would happen to some of my ideas. That would some happen to some of Jack's ideas because you would start to see all... There's so many things in the stew that you wanted them all to be connected to each other and work together. And so it was really this fun art project. It was just a giant on-the-fly art project. And, you know, I got it started, yeah, because... I don't know like I went to architecture school a little bit and I have a I love flow like I wanted I didn't think about the de- decoration and aesthetics so much in the beginning it was like okay we have this building we're not building it from scratch but we have this thing to work with and it really the bones of it just really quickly I sketched out hey I think we could have the store here I think the factory here I think the cafe here the batting cage you know the, all this stuff like That flow was just the place to get started and it really almost designed itself.
4: When you think baseball, you probably think of an all-American pastime, a family-friendly game that's full of tradition. Not exactly what you'd associate with Dallas's edgy and gritty Deep Ellum neighborhood. And so you might be surprised to learn that among the bars and the music venues, there is a baseball empire inside one of those brick buildings. And Jason Whiteley is showing it to us tonight in this WFAA original. Deep Ellum is known for a lot of things, but baseball isn't one of them, until now. Good. Stay behind the ball. Good. At the corner of Malcolm X and Maine. Less tee, more ball. That's it. Where's that one go? This sport recently staked out a spot. Over the fence. Over the fence? That will boy. And
3: I didn't make this up, but people have commented. We've kind of combined culture and, and sports. Ben Jenkins is behind the baseball bat company called Stick. I mean, the first year that we were in business back in 2011, you know, GQ magazine even found it and made us one of their favorite products of the year, which I thought was funny because
4: to me it wasn't even real business yet. But Ben's bats caught on. Ian Kinsler invested in the company two and a half years ago. The third business partner is guitarist Jack White name, of the White Stripes. He's a genius who's He's a big Detroit Tigers
3: uh, fan. This is the bat that Ian used in his first major league game. First at bat he actually got a hit. Little line drive over third base and even his wife texts me within 30 seconds because it was just exciting, you know, because it's waiting for years to get to that point where that happens and then actually the second at
4: bat he hit a home run. And then we lost our minds. Kinsler, Kinsler, though, isn't the only major leaguer swinging war sticks.
3: I could make an all-star team. Ian Kinsler, Miguel Cabrera, George Springer swung her bat a lot, Um, Matt Kemp, who's having an amazing year this year, Um, Eric Hosmer, Mike
4: Moustakis. Ben always had a passion for baseball. He played at Lake Highlands High School, Mississippi State, and the farm team for the Philadelphia Phillies. This is actually the first war stick that ever made, kind of the first prototype. But he Which, makes you know, a living as a brand designer, an and he created baseball, these so colorful was, high-end bats to reconnect with the game
6: he loves. A buddy of mine and I were at the batting cage with him yesterday oh. and and joking about how if we had these bats when we were kids, uh, life might have been different, right? We, we might have made it all the way.
4: Sandy Schwartz drove down from McKinney Yeah, there you go. To buy bats for his boys last weekend.
3: I think I'll hit better line drives and more home runs.
0: When you hit the ball, the sound it makes, it sounds like it explodes. Because that's what you want to happen. You want to hit it in the right part.
3: We're about to get into softball, lacrosse, hockey. I'm making some golf
4: drivers, some snowboards. I'm having fun with it. In a neighborhood known for its nightlife, sports have now taken root fast becoming one of Deep Ellum's newest draws. Jason Whiteley, Channel 8 News. Much better, kiddo. And then
3: then the hard, then there was a whole year of like the non-fun stuff like, oh, we need a new roof. And Christine going, yeah, we do. Excavating the basement in order so poop could get out to the street level. I mean, just insanely not You know, the fun. glamorous
5: stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got to get that poop out. Gotta Completely new electrical system. <laughs> I mean, even though Jack owned the building initially, we were the landlord. And so usually as the tenant, you have it a lot easier. And this, that, you know, Jack didn't have time to do all that kind of stuff. We, Christine, we had to do the non-fun stuff to get to the fun stuff. And then finally when that got started, it was very, you know, mood board kind of stuff. And just riffing on things and then I can tell when Jack likes something when he doesn't and he can tell when I don't like something and so we've learned to communicate with each other in a non-offensive way where it's not about likes it's about finishing this product in a way that makes sense you know and but aesthetically do I love it oh my god this is the coolest thing that I've ever gotten to be a part of
2: I have to imagine the dust collection alone must have been
3: quite the oh my uh... god it felt like all we did all we did is Non-stop is is throwaway boxes and it was just i mean we demand This the amount of dumpsters i mean i i can't even think about it man like it, it depresses it, it's, me it's
5: the the dust it's like it was reproducing in real time <laughs> i don't even know where all of it was yes because down.
3: keep in mind for the most part throughout most of this we were in the space using it as a makeshift warehouse. Yep. We were using it. We had a pop-up shop in there and while we were going, we had, I mean, don't tell the city that, but we had, um, we were working, we'll we were working along and in this environment. So just this past week going in there and being like, oh my God, it's done. There's no construction project going on and just, i would realized this week, like, oh wow, this is an amazing place to work, which was a goal. And so, we're just like, man, I can't believe we get to work here now.
1: Now, I have to imagine Jack handled the taxidermy.
3: Well, it started with, so yeah, it started with, um, I mean, I always, I actually love, I love taxidermy as well. And especially, you two have so much in common, it's ridiculous. 20%, we, at least 20 to 30%. Yeah, it is very ridiculous. And then there's some things I do, like fly fishing. He's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you in a river? You know, that, and then there's things he does. I'm like... Uh-uh. So we're... Well, we just have an overlap. But like, uh, you know, Warstick, I'm very inspired by Western animals, especially in my bison, my hawk, my bear, all that kind of stuff. And he knows all that. And he he gets extremely cool gifts from promoters Sometime, let's just say. And very early on, he's like, um... So a promoter a while back gave me this life-size bison stuffed, and he showed me a picture, and I'm like, oh, that's so sick. That's amazing. And he goes, do you guys want it? And I'm like, you're kidding, right? And um, he's like, no. Nah. <laughs> and he's like, what would you do with it? I would go, I'd put it right in the middle of the damn store, man. <laughs> because why not? Because it's it's that like that animal to me is like power and spirit and just – You know, whatever, and it it packs a punch. It really does. It looks like the Museum
2: of Natural History because you have the largest land mammal in North America just there. Or maybe it mooses.
3: I don't remember. But like you, you come in, it's like oh, yeah. And that's what you know. And that's what the bar was with Jack. It's like you can't just build the Apple Store. This is if Darth Vader built the Apple Store with some people from the 1800s that lived on the prairie. And I'm just making this shit up, but um Where the hell was he keeping that butt was he like using it to scare school children? He had it house? in Detroit in his house in Detroit that he bought for his okay. mother in the entryway, and Teresa she sent me when it was time to ship it, she had grown fond of it and she had <laughs> sent a picture to Jack. I mean she was joking because she's so cool and she's like, such a lovely woman and I have uh, to you're not, taking, you're not taking him away from me. And I was like, oh, my God, I feel so bad. He goes, no, <laughs> she's good. I was like, well, you can come visit at any time. I know the house is probably quite large, uh,
2: but, like, in my head, it's, it's still uh, similar to, to Ferdinand Street where he grew up. And so there's just this giant bison in a row home. Well, the <laughs> funny thing is he's like, I
3: really don't have uh, room for the bison because I have the zebra.
1: Oh my God.
3: (laughs) Which is a a conversation you hear all the time from people, right? I don't have room for my bison because I have a zebra.
1: The answer to that question was so much better than I thought it was going to be. I just love
3: that so, so. But it's like, I think that's a good, like, taxidermy is like, how how do we use it in the right places? And we found some taxidermy gray wolves on an auction site. It's cool. They look awesome. There's one near the bar, right? I riff on this so much with Jack. It was like, no doubt in my mind, even though I still go, hey, what do you think? I'm like, I know he's going to love these. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, we're going to have two wolves in the corner window display and no baseball. (laughs) It's like, you know, there was a lot after a while of working with him for this amount of years and especially on these things. Like, you know, I'm pretty in tune with what I know he's going to like and what I think I'm going to have to talk him into a little bit because... This doesn't maybe fit his personal aesthetic so much, but at the same time, he'll. I can tie in why it fits the brand and he will listen. And then, like you said, man, when I met him, he's like, I won't step on your toes. And I said, I want you to. But like he is, he's just, he won't just say, well, it's my way, the highway, you know? And then there were some things that I had to do the same. Like that vintage game room is insanely Jack. Like it is so Jack, it's not even funny and I don't even play like video games or man, I just don't do that stuff. But it's like when it finally got all put in there, I was a little worried about it that it would make me twitchy because it's very colorful and like all that. But it's like, Oh my God, this would not be the same place without this. And it, and it gives that feel of Jack so perfectly down in the basement, nice. you know? So
1: hey, who, whose excellent idea was titling the battle cage, the battle hall. Cause that's an awesome.
3: awesome that movie. was Christine. I mean, that was me. That was classic me and Christine going we need a name from this place and we get on a zoom call on our own and we talk about what's the place about and then it i mean that's what we do for a living right and it's like we've been talking internally about this thing called warstick university <laughs> oh. where it's like okay we want to eventually build content up where it's educational for for kids and parents in baseball and softball and yeah. six sports and that's going to be like it's going to be like Warstick University. And it's kind of like, well, that's what that cage was built for. And then she's like, I got this weird idea. I, I was calling it Battle... Christine, what was I calling it first? Battle, Battle something?
5: House. Battle House.
3: But it's like one of these things, like, uh, like even the coffee shop name was the same way. Like without both of us kind of riffing back and forth, the name would never come together. And that's why we always work together, you know? And it's kind of like, it's like dual writers or something like yeah. that. So <laughs> she goes, I got this weird idea. I can't. We was battle something, and then she's like, "I got this weird idea." I may have even remembering it wrong.
5: No, that that is what happened, <laughs> because I was kind of thinking, well, if we're if if so much about this is not just demoing that, it's about the education of what we can actually provide there in the speaking events and everything else of what we're doing. I said we should probably look more towards what would be on a traditional college campus, and awesome. in that environment, I would think of a lecture hall. So you should do Battle Hall, um, and it just caught on. That's nice. so.
3: That fucking rules. That's awesome. Especially when we when we start the YouTube channel, people will totally get it. Oh, it's just the place at the Warwick University where you go and sit and get a lecture. It's actually really straightforward. And then we we have all this merch that's like Battle Hall, and it looks like old school Ivy League um, college, you know, sweatshirts and stuff like that. So it's really got yeah. that feel. And that's just Christine and I. Like we can't help brand it uh, everything. That's just like there's a room with its own personality. So we must brand it. (laughs) We're just nerds like that. And so like the coffee shop was very much the same thing.
2: It certainly has the right ring to it though. Like it's, it's got a Thunderdome quality uh, to it, but um, yeah, it's a serious
3: place. It's a place you come, I mean, because training is happening there. And it's like when you're training, it's like all business, but it also has the, but to Christine's point, that's what we do. We try to think about what we're trying to say. And it's about learning. And so Battle does one thing and Hall does the other. Put them together and there you go.
2: Now, I have to ask, were there any... Because putting this together wasn't purely an aesthetic decision. Clearly, you guys were were coming up with, you know, uh, a way for kids to learn baseball and, and a place for, you know, them to ask questions and test things and them to have fun did you have to throw away any ideas that just didn't seem in line with it or were there any ideas that kind of got built up because it seemed like a small one and then you turned it
3: larger i honestly unless christine can remember something i don't remember having to throw anything out do you christine like every idea had was built out of this available space and it and ultimately i think we changed our mind a couple times about speakeasy or not or you know rooftop you know patio or not but like it just i really think we built every component and somehow they fit all together
4: strangely
6: well there is a new sporting goods store about to open in the deep elm area of dallas
4: owned in part by a former texas rangers star and our own heavy hitter brandon todd is live with a look good morning
6: Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, uh, this is something that former Texas Ranger Ian Kinsler is very excited about. But as he points out or pointed out to me, he says this is far more than just a sporting goods store. Kinsler is part owner of Warstick. And he says this will be a place where you can browse sporting gear, get a cup of coffee, and watch them burn a bat on a lathe and even see a live music performance ian kinsler of course started his pro baseball career with the texas rangers back in 2006 at second base and spent eight years here the four-time all-star helped the rangers win two american league pennants in the west and then went on to play uh, in a world series with the red sox he retired in 2019 and then later teamed up with the owner of warstick ben jenkins and also musician jack white Kinsler says building this in Dallas just made sense.
4: You know, youth sports in general just thrive in, te- in Texas. Um, and to bring a sporting, a sporting goods or sporting equipment shop um, to Deep Elm is a little bizarre. You know, it's, it doesn't really fit down there, which is really cool to us. And we have the whole music side of it um you know jack is is an extremely popular musician and people love his his music we've we've turned the basement into a into a music venue like there's a stage down there there's a dj booth it's almost like a speakeasy bar
6: setting they've got a sandlot youth baseball game at the mlb youth academy in dallas saturday morning then the ribbon cutting here in deep ellum is at noon saturday kinsler who is an advisor to the san diego padres now he still lives here in dallas said there's even going to be batting cages as i mentioned this is close enough that he'd be able to bring his son here there's the coffee shop in here but those nets tim and lauren that's the batting cages so i don't know maybe ian would uh, come down here with his son and run into tim working on his bp who knows right yeah because he needs to work on it. <laughs> yeah,
4: you, you would find you would find somebody with the worst eye-hand coordination you have ever seen in your entire life, and that would no, be me. Oh, you're not that bad. But it's exciting. What was it planned for a petting zoo that
3: got squashed?
5: Petting <laughs> zoo, yeah, that one got trashed. No, I, I think similar to everything that we do in the creative space, there are plenty of times in this project just like any other project that bad ideas were thrown out that By were, became a foundation for good. Obviously all of the bad yes. ones are mine, but uh, they, they became the foundation of a good idea, a better idea, a better idea, a better idea. And, and that is the benefit of, if I have to kind of look back and go glass half full of, it was a lengthy project. And certainly the people that live in Texas were incredibly anxious for this thing to open up, that we had that time to continue to build upon all of our ideas and really think them out and add so much nuance and add so many layers. And you know a huge part of that is how Ben thinks and he thinks through every little component. And then certainly from an experiential standpoint, how Jack can create these worlds. And time definitely gave us the benefit of that, but we certainly had some ideas thrown out that even if it wasn't what we ended up doing, it became, well, but then what about this? What about this? We could do this, we could do this.
2: I, thank you for interpreting the question the way I intended. I didn't want to be like, hey, tell us your worst ideas.
1: I, just, I, was, I was more like, how did, how, did it, how did it
2: build We burned those. So, all, yeah. We burned
5: all of
1: those. Yeah. Now, now, I, uh, I want to get into the opening here because I want to hear all about this concert, how all that came together. But I have, I have a burning question, and I feel like you two might actually be able to answer this for me. What is this Jack White video game thing about? We have heard now a few times from a few people... That he likes the old school video games. Uh, Craig Brown told us that he enjoys uh, shooting Hitler virtually uh, periodically, yeah. which we found to be odd at the time. And then suddenly there's all this Jack White video game stuff. What, what's going on there? Not to be all sidefellow, what's the deal? But I'm honestly curious, what's that about?
3: I, I can't, <laughs> honestly, I can't give you the full story because it, it actually, it's something that he told me was coming and he was really excited about it. And I, but it's just, it happens to be one of the things that we haven't dove deep into, honestly, in a conversation, but I do know that, I mean, all I can tell you, I don't know there's so much about video games, but that video game has this old school war component. Oh, yeah, no, I meant, I meant like, you were talking about the vintage game
4: room
1: oh. and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I thought yeah, you were yeah. talking about the new
3: Call
2: of yeah. Duty Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, no,
3: no, no, I'm, I'm curious about this vintage game room here. Oh, I mean, that was probably spoken about the first day I ever met Jack because like <laughs> the idea of I remember kind of like laying on the floor in Jack's meaning because we he was dreaming up so many just the idea of taking Warstick into being a brick and mortar thing and it's kind of like yeah we could have I mean we were already going like yeah we could have this and we could have that and that and it's like vintage vintage pinball games are just one of his passions and, and the, the vintage photo booth where you can get um, I mean making those things work is incredibly difficult and of course that's why he likes it so like that's just one hundred percent, Jack, and just and so when I designed the layout, the basic layout of the bar, and said, "Hey, look, this is a space we've got available. I think we could kind of put the bar here, we could put the stage here, we could put the lounge here." I go, "I think right here could be where the vintage game room goes." I mean, it was always a given that it would be there. Yeah. So they're more. It's pinball. It's not. It's not like uh, old school arcade. There's three thing. pinball machines. No, no. So there's four, four. Four vintage baseball pinball machines. All that Jack owns. Yeah. Two of them he had already owned. He never had a place to put them, and then he he bought two more like in the last week before he opened. And then the photo booth is one of like three in the world that um, that that two. work too Oh my bad two, and <laughs> and better. you know, and then you know his his tech who he's had forever, Josh Smith, had to come and basically live there for a week and make them work. And I mean, <laughs> literally all night he's sitting there in that photo booth, develop you know making the. Making those things work. It's incredible. He's like a like Yoda sitting in a photo booth. I was it's, just gonna make another
2: just... Star Wars reference of like when the ice storm hit, he he had to cut a hole in the bison and climb in there like a tauntaun.
5: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean my theory on the vintage pinball games and the, the vintage photo booth is that to Ben's point, neither one of them are easy to keep operational. They are something (laughs) that requires consistent attention and a detailed level of knowledge that is very difficult to find as well. And I think that there's something about that that's so attractive to Jack that, you know, underneath these pinball machines, it is Twine holding the wires together because they're an older type of machine that that is unlike anything that you would even see. So even people that work on pinball machines look at these and most of them go, I don't work on those. (laughs) Um, So it just requires such a deep level of of knowledge and skill and attention and love and care. Because of that, you don't see them anywhere. It makes them incredibly unique. And even these photo booths, like the photo booth that we have, that it is one of only two, it is original bins, metal fixtures. There is nothing updated on that. It works like it originally worked. We even have to custom build frames for it. And I think there's something about that it's the details that you can see when you have that experience that you haven't seen it anywhere else. You can't experience it anywhere else because nobody would put that level of love and care and attention into (laughs) keeping those things operational. And there's something very attractive about that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, It
2: creates a destination sort of feeling too. Like it, it feels like a baseball hall of fame esque situation where you're going and (laughs) and having an experience like you guys were saying. And I think there's something about like um, the analog aspect to it all where it you know because warstick is at its heart uh, all about mechanics it's about how you're moving your arm how you're doing stuff and you're doing stuff in the physical world and and I think the pinball machines kind of I don't know it has a it has its own kind of mechanical aspect to it that that fits
3: yeah but it was hard you know Jack has a love of the history and nostalgia of baseball unlike I will ever have like to a degree like he all he knows these incredibly unique and random stories about baseball and like our experience and perception of baseball is kind of same, but kind of different. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, like our, our products are very modern and they're in the here and now, and, and they're extremely important to these kids. But like that love and the history and nostalgia of baseball is not lost on me at all. And Ian really loves the history of baseball. So it's like, okay, that was another challenge. Like, how do Mm -hmm. we intertwine that into this but like not when you walk into the upstairs store, feel like it's some kind of museum. And so it, like everything had its place. And so there are some old, there actually are some old things in the store. But downstairs is kind of like all about that. Like downstairs is like walking back in time. What would Warstick look like if it was 1940 was kind of the idea, you know, but not in a very typical spe. I mean, there's almost like a formula now for people's speakeasies, you know, there's a certain wallpaper, there's a certain this, and it's like, well, we don't want that. We want like, what would we have done if we lived in 1940 and we were doing warstick? What would we do? That was it. And so that balance of old and new, which is very Jack too, man, like, and me too. Like I love vintage stuff, but I never try to just recreate it. I want to lift from it and pull it into something new. And I think Jack does this, this genius level at that. But then there's also like, I mean, I've got a vintage tin here that sits on my desk and it's from the thirties and it inspires me all the time. You know, I don't go recreate it, but like I like those things around too, just like Jack does. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, let's uh let's talk
1: a little bit about this concert here cuz I mean, we thought that 2021 wasn't even going to give us one new Jack White show, and in the end it gave us Very Fitting to the Warstick Branding 2. Uh, new Jack White shows we had one at the opening of London uh, Third Band Records London as you alluded to earlier Ben and then we had one for the opening of Warstick HQ and God I mean can you tell us a little bit about how that came about was a concert to kick off the grand opening always kind of something in the back of your mind or something that came together on the fly?
3: I mean we always we have always been looking forward all all three all me, Jack, Ian, Christine we've been looking forward to the day we have the grand opening and I'd always kind of joke with him that, well, when you play, I mean, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> and I did it so much that I think it just kind of normalized. And then, you know, at the end of the day, he knows I'm doing it because I'm, I mean, why would I not want him to play? And I'm like, if we can make this happy enough for you to celebrate in that way, you'll um, you'll enjoy playing and our fans will enjoy having that as an aspect of it. And so it just really, at the end of the day, I never really asked, it just eventually he then kind of said, (laughs) okay, so when I play at the show, and I was like, wait, what did you say? (laughs) You know, that kind of thing, and just kind of developed, and obviously we were just graced with the... I mean, when he... So anyway, it it was all him being willing and, and actually wanting to do it, not us asking to do it.
1: But you also hypnotized him over the course of a few years. Yeah. Yes. Um,
3: basically.
5: like Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> yeah.
3: <Right
5: there>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I mean we have video of this, we have audio of this, and we may um he's he let us record the show. We, we he let us live stream, not live stream, but closed circuit TV out to the top of the building into an outside, which was incredibly gracious. And right. for the people that experienced this show, it was so next level that it was happening finally, and then hearing battle cry live in our basement, and then he finished with Seven Nation Army, which kind of blew my mind, just the epic nature of sports and that song, and that it's happening in our basement, and that it's so real and genuine. And the, the Christine commented too, it was like, it's like he read our minds and played every one of our absolute favorite songs. I mean, the set was so old school, like Jack White, White. I mean, you know, from whatever. I think he opened with Deadlies and the Dirty Ground, and then... It went in I mean he played Let's Be Friends, he played um, Help Me. I Christine. think it smell a
5: rat. Like it was Oh nice. It was, yeah, it was it was incredible. Yes. The
3: the feeling of joy in there was I'll never the videos will never capture that, even though we're we're trying to make a limited edition record hopefully next year. I am gonna this is one of my Jedi Mind tricks. He said he's gonna do it and he said he's down with it and we have the video, we have the audio. I'm hoping that, like, maybe in a year we'll have, like, a limited edition kind of vault release of this actual... Because it's the first show from the Woodman's Lounge speakeasy venue that we've ever done. So it's kind (laughs) of historical to us as well, so... The short answer is yeah, we tricked him into it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask if that, it sounds like a <laughs> that sounds like a great vault release, but it also sounds like something that people would I'm sure love to to purchase in the store front itself. So maybe there's a maybe there's a mass and a uh and a vault uh, version of it or something, but that I mean, I'm so happy that everything was captured in its entirety in that way. Uh the rest of the band, I mean, uh we having some fun interactions. Obviously Dominic Davis are a huge, huge baseball fan. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you know Dominic, of course, from, uh, you know, obviously over the years, but also in the, the Warstick Sandlot games and all that stuff. So, I mean, uh, any other fun stories or interactions with the band around the store that day?
3: Just that, I mean, Daru, I couldn't, you know, everybody, Daru blew everybody's minds just having that, like, containing that. St- daru drumming style in that small space was just yeah, unreal yeah. his his drumsticks were like touching the rafters at times <laughs> and stuff and it was just everybody's like that drummer that drummer that drummer you know and this just this combination of like jack's energy and daru's energy counterbalance with like quincy and dom's chillness is kind of perfect. yes
2: you've encapsulated how me and paul think of of that group too it's it's Daru's such a powerful, intense drummer, too, and he is standing up and bashing things, and it's great.
3: Oh, it's amazing, and then and it's just, like, they're placed perfectly, and then, like, and they're just the nicest, sweetest people of all of them, you know, and when I heard Quincy was in, I was like, hell yes. yes. He's, like, the coolest cat on the planet, man. Yeah, so he,
1: we haven't seen him since the Boarding House Reach Tour, uh, at least in a Jack sense. I think he had actually released a, a solo album in that time.
4: he
3: sung the national anthem at our sandlot game nice which christine worked out somehow but the sun scenes all of a sudden quincy's walking out i'm like quincy's gonna i s-.
5: asked him <laughs> Please. he belted that
3: out acapella that was amazing
1: is he, uh, uh, is, how, how did he get back in, in the mix? I mean I, I mean, I assume Jack asked him, but
3: is he, uh, is he local to Texas or uh, is, is Quincy? Was, yeah. yeah. No, I think he's in New York. I and thinking. I didn't ask. We didn't ask who the band was going to be. That's not our business. It's like, you know, Lala would say, the band's booked. And I just said, cool. <laughs> the band's in. The band's coming, whatever. And I'm like, you know, of course, me and Christine are like, I wonder who the band is this time. Because that, <laughs> you know, and we hoped. The power trio that came out on Saturday Night Live was so killer that I definitely was kind of, like, hoping... But it's, like, it's almost like picking an all-star team out of people, too. Like, I was like, if Carla showed up, it's not like I wouldn't be ecstatic. I can't keep my eyes off Carla's drumming style. Like, you know, so it's like there's so many good choices that, I mean, we're not going to voice our opinion on that. We're just... (laughs) Anyone we see, we'd be like... If he said Carla, we'd be like, hell yes. You know, it's just it's just whatever you know and we don't we stay out of that it's none of our business
2: now you brought up the sandlot game H- how did how did that play out who who was who's the big winner and loser of that well this one was different
3: <laughs> usually we go to a different town and we barnstorm and we play their local team or whatever and this was very much like a celebration of the the history of Warstick and all the people that have helped and so we didn't want to play another team instead what we did is we we made two Warstick teams we had a, uh, Jack White's White Bison and Ian Kinsler's Gold Hawks. And I made, I'm i honestly super proud of the... I, I think the, the uniforms that we designed for that are just so sick. Like, I, I love them. And we're going to change a lot of our kids' uniforms to them and stuff like that. So it was full-on designing the uniforms. But it was like Jack was coach of one team, Ian was the other. We kind of drafted all the players, but everyone on the teams had a connection to Warstick from the past. And it's some you know major league players and the band and my internal staff and like you know whatever um my best friend Craig my brother my dad um all yeah. that you know and it was just so it was a little bit more less intense than usual because we were it was like well warstick's gonna win no matter what and but we had <laughs> Kirk Gibson I mean probably Lalo got Kirk Gibson to come Who's like the most, one of the most famous baseball players of all time, and for Jack, an, an, a childhood hero from the Tigers, and he came and there's a famous. I don't know if, how much your fans know about Kirk Gibson, but if you just Google Kirk Gibson famous home run, and you don't watch it and get goosebumps, then you're dead. Sacks waiting on deck, but the game right now is at the plate. He came and basically not only did he suit up, which was amazing enough, he told Lalo like, "Hey, I want a pinch hit." Well, the big famous <laughs> Kurt Gibson moment was a pinch hit, and then he walked up at the plate and then he re- recreated the way that he swarmed up into the in the batter circle, and people were just, we were all like, "This is amazing," you know. And so like that moment was more important, you know, than who won and lost because everybody was like, "This is." freaking amazing that that's happening. Even Ian Kinsler was like like a child, like, oh my god. (laughs) Kurt Gibson's pinch hitting. So it was just one of those things. It would be like, in rock and roll world, like, Jimi Hendrix coming back and playing the National Anthem in front of you at age uh, 75, is kind of how I relate to that one.
2: It certainly had that vibe. Like, the whole opening, from what me and Paul have seen and heard and looked at, and everybody seemed to have some kind of childlike glee to it all. Like, it felt it felt like a happy experience. It felt really like light and, and joyous. And, and I think that it, it makes sense. Cause that's what baseball is kind of about anyway. It's,
3: you know, no, no, that's totally wrong. Baseball is about, um, <laughs> <baseball's> <laughs> about failure and depression and, and just, Oh God, it's so hard. Oh man. My little league experience is, is a lie. <laughs> And then there's 5% of it, which you're working towards, is what you said, is that joy. It's like, can you fight through all that and get to that? But yeah, but I mean, too, I'm happy. We just started posting today. We're going to do a full tour of really every component in every room on Instagram. So people should go check that out so they can really... We have this amazing photographer, Sean Barry, who shoots everything Warstick. I mean, honestly, like, there was 300 pictures in the building of Sean's. Y'all should interview Sean sometime. He's amazing. And Warstick wouldn't be Warstick without him. And the, just the moments he captures. But um, So all of Sean's photos will be on Instagram and Facebook. And then we're working on a video that hopefully we'll have here in a couple of weeks. And we're trying our best to recreate what happened for everybody as best they can. So that'll be coming out, too. So. You've probably just seen the tip of the iceberg when it comes actually kind of checking it out.
1: Well, that's, that was going to be my, my question here. I mean, first of all, thank you both again so much for joining us today. This is, this is so awesome to hear all these f- fantastic stories. But my question was going to be what's coming next, and I think we've heard a little bit about what is coming next. Obviously, the idea of Warstick University yes, is something totally that. irresistible. I mean, that's, that's just, that's the, that seems like a dream.
3: I think you nailed it. I think that is absolutely the focus because we've really felt like we've always lacked on the marketing side for content and it's been like pulling teeth to get it to come out and people always compliment us on the marketing and Christine and I are like, yeah, we're not even doing the real thing yet. So there'll be a ton of focus on the next year of just learning to use that venue and it's about bringing people in with a point of view and someone to learn from and then kids interacting with that, you know? And so I, I, I don't like that I mean we're a company we have products but like it bores me to death when we post about a new product because it's like well the product's supposed to be the representation of a culture and we're not really we talk about a culture but i don't think we've really gotten to actually expressing the culture yet so i'm looking forward to doing that i'm hard on myself on this and marketing is just such a grind and our people work so hard at it but like i think this is going to make it more fun and easy and natural to do that and so yeah, yeah that will be a big focus and then just on the on the business side I think the cool thing is like we're kind of there and know what we're about and what we do and it's like oh now let's just get into the groove of what this business was always meant to be and just steadily keep growing you know and 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 Christine's job is to turn all of us children into adults and that's what she does is she's it's
5: not easy Dirty job. Somebody's got to do it. I mean, every year.
3: She's like her. Her big thing is this. This is real. This business has to mature all the time. It has to be better than it was last year. And you know, that's not always the fun stuff, man. It's it's, it's not all art and design and fun stuff. So she's she, why the reason she's president is basically that. I mean, she she's there to mature the business and every facet of it, which she can handle, and everybody respects her so much that they listen and we take it seriously. As she's the mom of Warstick basically all the other support people we have our spouses somehow put up with doing this and then they but you know like her her husband steven is i mean last week of the thing he's living up there and he's fixing things i mean it's unbelievable the family effort that went into this thing is insane and people don't believe that this was a small team of basically five six people running with and you know my, my own son the billet wall jack designed this billet wall in the factory and my son took on build, actually building it. Wow! And I don't nice. even know how many hours it took. And it's four thousand eight hundred sliced billets. It was insane. Wow!
5: My dad is the one that's in the basement fixing the pinball machines. <laughs>
3: <laughs> A family affair, and somehow we all came out of it, it uh, still married um, and still talking to our um, everybody's friends. <laughs> well, even uh, in reference to Christine,
2: uh, even the most beautiful ship needs a captain. So uh, you know, you can have an aesthetically pleasing thing, but it's not going anywhere unless you have somebody guiding it. Yeah, it'd be so. like it's, to bring it back full circle. If the nice Tasmanian Devil TV.
3: didn't have a trainer, he'd be useless. Yeah. I mean, just she just controls all the chaos very well, and she. But she. But she doesn't like squash the creative chaos. She kind of harnesses it. You know. I'm just super glad that people got to see that she's a real person.
1: <laughs> Christine you out there are you playing in the uh, Sandlot games what are you doing you playing there
5: oh not at all no, no, <laughs> not
1: a
3: chance not at all not a it
5: would be it would, it would embarrass everyone and we would never sell a bat again
3: <laughs> I mean you could have been the runner for Kirk Gibson. she's the one running around telling us all what we what we need to do next and what we forgot to do and making sure that all of the it runs smoothly for the fans I mean that's what she's doing You.
5: Yeah. I have no strike zone like I'm Right at five feet tall, um, so <laughs> it's not a legal yeah. Height. But uh, right, um, but no, no. I, 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 think I'm, I'm better suited to uh, be making the sandlot a fun time for everybody versus uh, stepping up to the plate. <laughs> well,
1: on behalf of everyone who's enjoyed those games, both fan and and player I assume as well Uh, thank you for doing that and and thank you again both of you for uh, joining us today this has been so much fun congratulations victory lap we're going to put in a a cheering crowd here but just we're so happy and whenever we see new stuff from Warstick pop up James and I just are like yeah go go Warstick you know I've got my I've got my T-shirt. I'm out there repping. It's so awesome to see all these people wearing battle, you know, from Eddie Vedder to obviously Jack and crew. So congratulations.
3: Thanks y'all. I've always been super positive And just including me in the conversation of Jack is super cool. So we super appreciate it. And definitely want to have you guys there, man. You got to check it out. And we'll be more Sandlot Games next year. It's like now, okay, enough of this like warm and fuzzy Warstick, War, Warstick. We're going to get people... We're gonna go kick some ass next year and kick yeah, some people's yeah. ass and get our ass kicked. Whatever, that's what it's about. So, hopefully, Jack will be on a tour. <laughs> I know nothing, and there'll be some Sandlot games in different cities and all that kind of stuff. So,
2: well, if you ever need someone to be uh, zoning out and picking flowers in the outfield, I'm I'm your guy. Yeah, okay, I'm very good at that.
3: <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out there that you guys should be the announcers for one of the games someday. Hey. I would love that. That yeah, would be uh, sick. You guys are yeah, such yeah, pros. Yeah. I think it would be awesome. Even though and I think the best maybe you don't know all the different aspects and things of baseball like an announcer would which I think would be perfect
1: yeah we'll be like hey they used the wooden thing to smash yeah. the thing we were pretty sure is made out of twine what is the that the cantaloupe out? has been
3: smashed by a wooden tree <laughs> 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 yeah I think it would be awesome because that's what Sandlot's about it's not, it's not serious it's just about the fun of the game so um, we'll, we'll, we'll keep that in mind man we just figure out where are you guys I'm in Pennsylvania, and I'm in Burbank. so Either one works for me. Oof, wo- wo- I'm going to keep that in mind.
1: You know, it's funny. I actually found out I live down the street from Lalo. Uh, we, we, what? When Lalo on the show, I live uh, literally one town over, maybe maybe That's five, crazy. Five, five, five minutes. minutes. That's uh, cool. Yeah, and I live close to no one. I am in <laughs> Allentown. There's a
2: steel mill. That's about all we got.
3: <laughs> hey, man, I, I need to get to Pennsylvania. They've got fly fishing, and I've actually... I never made it to the Phillies Major League team, and I've never visited Philadelphia. I didn't make it there. So I. Well, if you're ever in town, uh,
2: l- let me know, and uh, yeah, I'll buy you a beer. Let's do it. All right.
1: Thank you to Ben and Christine for joining us on the program today that was wonderful talking to you both you're great and anyone who has access to the Dallas area who's looking for a uh, a fun experience and an, uh, an educational experience and a caffeinated experience head on down to the Warstick HQ or support Warstick online you can check out uh, their website and order all kinds of stuff there and we're just so happy for Ben that this has taken off in the way it has. And and just really cool to see that how that trajectory has gone over these last few years.
2: Yeah, and uh, thank you, Ben and Christine, for talking with us and for being so um, open about, about the business with the podcast because our fans and we are interested in Warstick and how Warstick is progressing. So a big thank you again to you guys. And you're always welcome back on. And we look forward to being... The uh, announcers at a Sandlot game. <laughs> Statler and Waldorf over here.
1: That's where I'll be looking for a home. I'll be looking for a home in the announcer's box, talking about pod racing with James, my brother.
2: <laughs> and there goes... Oh, what was what his name? Uh,
1: yeah. Is it the one with the family? Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. I forget his name. <laughs> um, and I'll be looking for a home in a warehouse, an abandoned warehouse that I bought prematurely before covid uh and now have to transform into a podcasting wonderland because now there's somebody to uh to go come see it
1: (laughs) you're like you you're like (laughs) (laughs) millhouse with the rat in the coffee (laughs) his son owns a factory downtown (laughs) <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Okay, uh, episode. bye.
0: The Third Man Podcast was created, edited, and produced by Paul and James Kaminsky. Our theme song, We're the Third Men, was recorded by the band Radke, who can be found at radke.net. To contact the show, visit thirdmenpodcast.com or email thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com also visit at the third men underscore podcast on instagram at third men cast on twitter and search the third men on facebook thanks to our patreon patrons to everyone who has rated reviewed and subscribed and see you next time
1: Hey, everybody, Paul here with a quick message for you. As James and I mentioned many times on the show, this podcast is 100% not for profit and a labor of our love for music. We pride ourselves in bringing you interesting, timely content as we have these past 100 plus episodes. Podcasting is, however, a weirdly expensive process. And we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and I have set up a Patreon account where you can, if you like, chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on. It can be as much or as little as you can swing, and all donations are greatly appreciated. The last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash. So just know that listening to our show is always payment enough. But if you would like to help us out, that would be amazing. All right. It's all from me. Remember, you can head to patreon.com thirdmenpodcast third men podcast. And a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already. All right, everybody. I'll see you on the show.
4: And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production and we're available now on iTunes and wherever
1: you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show.
4: Yeah, uh,
1: well, that's that's good. I,
2: yeah, Costco assaulted me with a flu shot in a good way. They were like, <laughs> I was shopping, and they shoved a needle in me. They're like, do you like that? I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it
5: did they they, gotcha. You thought you were getting a free sample of yeah. Vienna sausage, and it
1: wasn't. It was, it was not. No, it was a flu <laughs> shot. <Yeah>, I <I'm> was <laughs> okay with it. They've really got to stop shooting gotcha after those. Uh, it's <laughs> Yeah.
5: I, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't, it
1: doesn't feel, feel good. good. It doesn't feel so good. Um, so I, I am now recording on my...
4: He's catching Zabova! he got I'm